Hello, welcome to the Sun Preps Upon Further Review podcast, our first uh, podcast of the 2022-23 school year. A um, little bit of uh, out with the old, Scott Zucker, our sports editor, has moved on. Um, in his place is uh, Victoria Nekovic, um, who, are you from Connecticut? Yes, yeah. What do we call Connecticut people? Are you Connecticans? Or what? They call us nutmeggers, and nutmeggers? I don't know. Okay. That makes no sense, but that's what nutmeggers. we are. She's a nutmegger who went to uh, UNC Chapel Hill and uh, Quinnipiac. Did I say that one right? Yes, uh, yeah. I've heard many, 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 many pronunciations yeah. of Quinnipiac over the years. But uh, um, the cool thing about Victoria is during her college days at Chapel Hill, there's a chance she and I might have been in the same building a few times um, when I was covering UNC basketball and UNC football for uh, another paper up in North Carolina. So, small world. I know, it's cool. Um, this, uh, this week we're going to jump quickly into, uh, some high school football previews. Um, our preview edition came out in today's editions of the Sun newspaper and I think the Venice Gondolier. Um, you can look for, uh, a more in-depth look at each one of the area teams in that publication. Um, we'll also hit a little bit on some volleyball volleyball got underway this week and uh then we'll take a look uh, a little bit later into uh this week's upcoming football games but uh why don't we start first with Vinny uh kind of going over the teams in the area this season um just a little bit of an overview of what each one of them's bringing to the table in 2022 let's start with uh, the obvious one the state champion Venice Indians yeah, so Venice never rebuilds. They just kind of reload, as anybody familiar with them knows. <laughs> they lost an insane amount of talent last year. Like, the players they lost, you can make a team with this year and add <laughs> some newcomers and be like, all right, let's go try and win states. Um, <laughs> but they, they brought in a lot of good guys. They brought in a transfer quarterback from Gaither, Brooks Bentley. He's a three-star. His dad is the passing game coordinator at USF. His older brother played for South Carolina, so mm-hmm. he's got a lot of quarterback genes and passing game knowledge. Um, they also got a couple stud pass catchers from Cardinal Mooney, Finn Jones and Ryan Matulovich. Um, Finn is a tight end, Ryan's a wide receiver. They added you know, pieces on the O-line. They have an almost entirely new O-line. They have some new wide receivers, like Larry Shannon's gonna get some looks. Arkish Hippolyte is gonna get some looks. So. They have all that, and that's not even to mention Damon Wilson and Elliott Washington, <laughs> two of the best players in the country. Um, it, it looked ugly last week against IMG, but don't be fooled. Any team would look like that against IMG. <laughs> this, this Venice team is legit. They're going to take some time to gel, absolutely, because of how many new players and young players they have. But they really only have Lakeland in the way. And in the spring game, they played Lakeland terribly in the first half, but beat them in the second half and almost won the game. And that's with a bunch of new players, a bunch of players sitting out, just new teammates playing together, even if they're not new to varsity football. So I think that Venice can absolutely beat Lakeland, although it will be a challenge. And essentially, everything up until that is just getting ready for that game. Um, So Venice is absolutely in the cards for a second state championship in the second season in a row. But we're going to have to see how that matriculates over the season. uh, They need to grow a little bit. That uh, You kind of hit on something that... uh kind of glossed over the uh, change in the classifications this year. Uh, we went from the eight classes that we had last year, Venice obviously was the Class 8A state champion, uh, to these uh, the suburban metro setup now where Venice is now in the, uh, I guess, Class 4S if you're going to shorten it to anything. Um, how different was that for their scheduling purposes when it comes to like their district, what they're facing there? Honestly, it didn't change anything for their schedule. Their district last year, was pretty much the same that it is now. I think it actually is exactly the same with maybe the difference of North, or Northport was supposed to be in it, but they weren't last year. So they have Sarasota and Riverview. Um, as long as they beat Riverview in their annual matchup, they'll win the district. Uh, and then aside from that, you know, they were always scheduling insanely hard teams <laughs> like <laughs> Miami Northwestern this week and IMG and St. Francis coming later uh, on ESPN in a couple weeks. So I don't think it affected their schedule, but what it did affect is the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So A-Day last year, you know, you're looking at a bunch of teams from across the state. Uh, you know, they ended up playing Apopka in the final. And this year, you know, you won't have those same teams to go against because 
with Metro and Suburban, you're only playing teams from smaller areas. You're not playing big city teams um, if you're in Suburban like Venice is. So Lakeland is the cream of the crop when it comes to that. And there's really not many other contenders on that level. It did seem like it just kind of cleared a path for them this year. Uh, it did if, in if a way, but Lakeland way. probably would have been the best 8A team last year <laughs> to go true. against. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's an either, easier path to get to the last game, but is the last game easier? I don't think so. <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, switching over to Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte, obviously, they switched their uh, – they have a new coach in there. It's their third coach in three uh, – four years. Um, I was talking to their their seniors about that this year in spring camp and summer camp about how different it is to uh, be at a Charlotte high school where there's, a, you know, the opportunity for someone who played for uh, three head coaches in four years was something that was unheard of at Charlotte for such a long time. It was a school that had a very stable, stable setup when it came to its football program. I guess you can kind of say that's still happening because they're just going with Charlotte people in these jobs, but... Uh, we got a first-year coach, Corey Mincer, over at uh, Charlotte, and they've got a lot of, uh, lot of, lot of the same faces, but they got some key new pieces. Absolutely, how awesome is Valentino to Hall? <laughs> Absolutely, that's something I was killing to see last year. I mean, the passing game obviously last year was tough to start. Their starting quarterback got hurt in the kickoff classic, and then it was just trying to see what worked after that. This year, they have a passing. Uh, a quarterback who's a, a pocket passer. He has a weapon that he's developed a connection with in Brady Hall. They hooked up 10 times for over 100 yards on a touchdown <laughs> last week, which is awesome to see going forward. And that completely changes what Charlotte can be. They still have the good defense, the good front seven, the good corners. Um, Brian Augustin back at safety, like tough all around the board. Now they have a passing game to give them a full, complete, multi-dimensional offense. They're going to be very tough to stop this year. And I'm looking forward to see what other changes Corey Mentzer brings. They uh, they did a thing last year when they had injuries where they started bringing linebackers in to play running back. And it looks like they're going to let Connor Trim kind of handle that uh, running back responsibility this year. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, he really proved himself last year. And he spent a lot of time this offseason focusing on running back because Going into last year, he didn't know he was going to have that much <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> of a load. I mean, it wasn't expected. Troy McClary was supposed to be the starting running back. He kept getting banged up, and then they just they were like, you know what, Connor, you're doing well. You're not getting hurt. Just let's go to you. And so I think this year is going to be a great year for Connor Trim. Um, Port Charlotte uh, went through a year last year where we knew they were going to have some growing pains with so many new players on uh, kind of both sides of the ball. But uh, by the time they hit spring, all those players had – Gain a little bit of experience. They put some numbers up in the spring game. And then, again, here in the kickoff classic, they put up some even some kind of more impressive numbers considering who they were playing. Um, what do you see Port Charlotte this year? I am so excited about this Port Charlotte team. I'm going to go out today to their practice and preview their game this week. Look for it in the Thursday edition of The Sun. Uh, we're going a day early because Lemon Bay plays on Thursday. Uh, Port Charlotte is this this year and next year are going to be awesome years to be a Pirates fan. This group has been playing together since they were in like fifth grade, and this they've been building towards these two years for their lives. Like this, this is what it comes down to for Port Charlotte. If you can't win over these next two years, it's going to hurt because it's going to take some time to get back to this spot. But look at the last two games they played. My God, the <laughs> spring game was unbelievable. They dominated North Fort Myers, who just who just beat up on Estero 50 to nothing. So it's, it's no slouch over there. And then they just beat uh, Dunbar and not only beat them, but handled them. And this is a Dunbar team that was like the cream of their crop last year. Didn't lose a game all regular season, handled a tough district and Port Charlotte handled them with ease. So obviously this isn't the same Dunbar teams last right. year, but just to see Port Charlotte handling an athletic team like that, that still has ranked, players is very impressive to me. I'm looking forward to see what else they can do. I mean, they have players on both sides of the ball. I mean, just returning everybody that they had was <laughs> yeah. awesome. And then you add Juju LeGuerre and Desmond Huff to the defense. It's ridiculous. They're also like a, you kind of alluded to it. They're kind of a classic example of what happens when you have a really good Pop Warner feeder program. Cause those kids all started playing together in the bandits program all the way up into high, into high school. They just, they know what's going on in each other's back pocket, it seems like. Uh, they're yeah. so, so united, so uh, so on the same page. It yeah, it feels like Ingman just being a stable presence there. Working, That's true, too. Working with Pop Warner, working with high school, just having a culture there that is consistent has built 
an unbelievable football like city, really, and I think it's they're reaping the rewards now. Lemon Bay, uh, kind of an interesting, uh, interesting study of a team. Uh, <laughs> we didn't know coming into the year just exactly what they were going to do with their running game. Uh, they graduated a lot of key pieces there. Then they had a really unfortunate injury that really kind of crippled their. Uh, I wouldn't say their entire team, uh, but it crippled a key aspect of their team. But it looks like they kind of found some answers uh, last week in their uh, their preseason game. No doubt. Landon Spanger was one of the guys that we we're most looking forward to see this season. Uh, his coach, Southwell, called him maybe one of the first legit D1 guys to come out of Lemon Bay. He's a two-way player. Absolute bruiser of a running back, relentless at defensive end. And to have him as the starting running back and Joe Scott behind him would have been awesome. However, that's not going to be the case with Landon <laughs> being out with his knee. So Scott's going to have to carry a big load. I'm sure they'll find guys to share it with. But uh, I believe last week he had all four of their touchdowns, he did. right? Yeah, so great start for him. Uh, he powered them to a, a seven-point win over a solid South Fort Myers team. So all good so far. Uh, they have a good defense coming back with some key players like Gabe Dickerson and Caleb Whitmore. I just I don't know what to make of this team because they lost so many players. Mm -hmm. They're playing such a different schedule. It's going to take a few weeks till we find out just exactly what this Manas team is. They have that interesting quarterback situation too. They do. I don't even I don't know what what they did with it because I didn't follow their game too much uh, while I was covering Venice. But uh, Trey Rutan's a guy who started for them last year, led them to their first ever perfect regular season. But he's such an athlete, it might benefit them to play him elsewhere and. They have guys behind him like Lorenzo Marceri and Drew Smith who can sling it nearly as good or sometimes better. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do through Tan's athleticism uh, because, you know, it's also useful as a quarterback, too, to evade pressure and just run. Uh, so they have options there, which is good for them. They had an interesting thing happen to them with the uh, Suburban Metro effect. Uh, 4A schools and lower last year didn't have to play in districts. They just kind of played a regional slate. This year they're in a district. They're going to have to matriculate their way through the district in order to uh, make the playoffs. As such, their schedule kind of changed this year. They've got a little bit more difficult schedule this year. Not only that for the schedule, but Southwell said some of the other teams not in their district just wouldn't play them anymore. Because <laughs> Lemon Bay's established a reputation of being one of the you know one of the best teams of the smaller schools in mm -hmm. our area, and so. You know, those schools have gotten beat up for a few years. They're, they're sick of it. Uh, and it's good. It's good for both sides. Lemon Bay doesn't need to prove that they can beat those teams anymore. True. They, uh, they obviously can. So it's going to be nice to see them play better competition. I mean, South Fort Myers would have been the best team they faced all regular season last year. They beat them last week. So let's see how it goes. They have a uh, – their district looks kind of fun this year. They've got uh, – this mysterious Booker team, which I guess we'll probably get more into as the season goes on. I have no idea what's really happening up there at that school. Yeah, and winless they, last season, but yeah. <laughs> supposedly supposed to be one of the best teams around. <laughs> and then, uh, then of course, our uh, our next team here, DeSoto County. Uh, DeSoto County is in their district as well. DeSoto County last week, uh, I'll take a little bit of this. Uh, last week, they're in their exhibition game. They really tore apart Cape Coral after about the first or second series of the game when they kind of calibrated themselves and figured out what Cape Coral was doing. Uh, they just dominated both sides both sides of the line. Um, their offensive line, their defensive line just owned the night. They won that game 21-0. They had a half dozen running backs just do whatever they wanted. Um, their only hang-up was they struggled with, uh, they struggled with exchanges. Uh, they kept... Uh, between the center and the quarterback, and also between the quarterback and the running backs, they occasionally uh, bobbled the ball right there. But uh, other than that, it was an amazing, amazingly solid uh, debut up there for uh, Sam Holland's second season. And the thing that was really cool about it, we were just talking about before we went on air, about uh, how the excitement seems to be back at DeSoto County. The, the stands were packed. There was, uh, there was a long line of cars trying to get in the stadium after the game started, backed up through the intersection, the stoplight right there in front of the school, which didn't happen at all last year. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess, Sam Holland's uh, crew up there in DeSoto County. Well, speaking off that excitement, uh, Arcadia and DeSoto County can be a very special place for uh, supporting high school sports like that. I mean, last year... Uh, I'm sure you remember how the boys' soccer team went to states. Oh, man. And yeah. the turnout for that was insane. <laughs> that was outstanding. It was so yeah. fun to watch people get behind them. There was 
hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people at the, some of their final games, mm-hmm. uh, cheering loud, you know, bringing signs, just really getting into it. And that can totally happen with football. They're, they they look great last week. Uh, Pat wrote all about it, 21 nothing win. I mean, it's pretty dominant. And they're honestly like 11 Bay team. So I'm excited True. to see them in the same district. They have some of the same, you know, schemes. They like to run the ball with misdirection. They have tough nose defense. And if they played now, I would say Lemon Bay would win. But if DeSoto gets time to get their backs figured out, to get in rhythm, it's going to be very interesting. And I think that game could decide the district, depending on how good Booker really is. I think it's going to be a really fun game to cover. <laughs> Whoever gets to cover that is going to be a really great game. Um, last but not least, uh, Northport uh, dropped out of the FHSAA this year to go independent. They're doing what DeSoto County did last year to kind of build up the program. Um, Build up their numbers, kind of build kind of an ethos up there. Thirteen to seven, I think, was the score of their uh, their exhibition game at Brooksville Central. Um, the coach was excited about his offensive line up there. Um, obviously, a, a pretty pretty hefty rebuilding year up at Northport. No doubt, uh, Bobcats have a ton of young players, which is you know that's a, a tough challenge to overcome, but it's also exciting for the future too. If you can. Get these kids some good experience against an independent schedule. Uh, you can really put this rebuild on the fast track. However, in the meantime, it's going to be tough. I mean, they really need to get the offense going. Seven points isn't going to do it against anybody, really. And <laughs> they just they have to figure it out. I mean, they have a good quarterback returning, Evan Berger. They have uh, a key transfer from Gateway Charter, um, Christian Requina Jr. He's a do-everything player. As long as they get the ball in his hands, they should be able to score at least a couple times a game. Uh, they have a good, you know, stable of running backs. They have Taylor Akers, Joey Adebayo, Jalen Fulton. Um, the offensive line looked good, like you said. So, I mean, you know, it's a work in progress. Like, we're just going to have to see week by week how they get better. And it's not going to be about wins or losses this year because the Bobcat, Bobcats can't make the playoffs. So, what does it matter, right? Just about, <laughs> just about getting better. Um, switching gears a little bit, going over to the volleyball side of things. Um, this, uh, this past week uh, – to mention this right quick, uh, longtime Port Charlotte volleyball coach Don Wendell passed away. He was the original volleyball coach at Port Charlotte back in 1981 when the school began. He came up from the middle school to the high school. Um, fun story, he uh, really, really had to recruit Christine Burkhart, who at the time her name was Christine Ryan, to the uh, the volleyball team. She didn't want to play volleyball. She thought the sport sucked. She wanted <laughs> to play baseball. But uh, Don Wendell eventually talked her into actually getting getting out there to a couple practices and taking part. And uh, kind of the rest was history for Christine. She went on to become, other than Don Wendell, arguably the best uh, volleyball coach they've had at Port Charlotte. And uh, this past week, uh, Don Wendell passed away after a long battle with cancer. Um, on October 1st, the school will have a... Uh, memorial for him before a tri-meet October 1st. Um, there's going to be a, a presentation before the game, and then after the game, there's going to be a dinner. Um, if you go to Christine Burkhardt's Facebook page, she has more details there. Uh, Port Charlotte Athletics Facebook page, they have some details there, uh, how you might be able to go to that if you want to go to that. But uh, Switch, switching over to actual happenings on the court. Uh, first regular season week of volleyball this week. Uh, Victoria Nekovic has been our uh, our volleyball correspondent. She's <laughs> been uh, she handled all the previews this uh, this earlier this month, and uh, she's been everywhere. It's been kind of fun to follow you uh, at all these various matches. Uh, I guess uh, first impressions from these volleyball teams that you've uh, seen so far this year. I've seen a lot of the a lot of the teams throughout the preseason, which is really interesting. Um, Port Charlotte, I specifically, I haven't seen them play. They haven't played their first um, game yet this season, but I think they are set to play it tomorrow against Naples. But I did see them um, their preseason. They played in a tournament up in Palmetto, and they were very interesting to play. After not playing very well last season, Coach White said the main thing about this team is going to be the chemistry and the new pieces that they have, and she's very excited about that. Um, A key piece I saw was Tyler Evans transferred from Imagine, and she, in the preseason games, she was took hits at the outside hitter and the setter for that team, so she's definitely in the attack zone for them. She's going to be a difference maker, and then Nigeria Hart is going to be a big piece and uh, Morgan Willis as a libero. So they have some good pieces that if they can get that 
offense going, they're going to be a much better team than last year. This is almost like year one for Julie White, even though it's her second season. She she had an interruption last year when she had, she had a baby. And mm -hmm. uh, this will be the year that she can finally have a little bit of continuity, get out there and kind of get her uh, – her philosophies uh, <laughs> on the court. Um, Charlotte High, um, the rival across the bridge. Uh, Michelle Dill's team is always uh, always one of those teams that's a little bit of a work in progress during the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. but they seem to find it out towards the end. Yeah, they had their first um, game of the season last night, and they beat Riverview in four sets. So Coach Dill's really excited about this team. She has. Brianna Bino as she switched from the middle hitter to the outside hitter, so she's going to lead the attack for that team. And she led, I think she led the district last season in kills. So she said that her biggest goal is to get better and kind of be a leader for this team. And they also have Jalen um, Gardner. Um, she's also, fun to watch. Yeah, she's really fun to watch. Coach Dill said that she's really excited about her and what she can add. They have a lot of young talent on this team too, but... Brianna Bino said that she's excited to see kind of what they've already been adding to the team. And I'm going to go see them play actually Thursday night. They're taking on DeSoto, so it should be a good matchup. Perfect, uh, perfect segue. I was going to ask you about oh. DeSoto County next. Um, Dave Bremer is a longtime coach up there and he's got a longtime assistant up there. Um, he just came back a couple years ago after a few years away, but uh, that is definitely Dave Bremer's during the Dave Bremer era up there. Um, they went through a lot of injuries last year, um, and then yeah. they lost some people in the offseason. But uh, what do you see out of that group? I see. I think it's a fun group in, out in DeSoto. I saw a video on Twitter of um, Coach Bremer dancing <laughs> with, his, with his team, which I thought was amazing. They beat Imagine um, in three straight sets last night to open their season. And they have Brooke Zolkos, who's going to be a big mm -hmm. hitter for them. They... Coach White, his assistant coach, told me that she is going to be, they might run the 5-1 offense, so it's going to be a lot of seeing Brooke on the court as the main setter for that team. So she's definitely going to be a key role for them. Lima Bay, you saw them last night. Uh, tough, uh, tough home opener for them, but uh, they've got just about everybody back except for one key missing piece. Yeah, they lost Kendall Steinhardt. Um, she was their main setter last year. And when I talked to Coach Auer about that, he said that Lily Abbott was going to be their go-to setter this year. And he wasn't worried because Lily, she's been on the squad for all four years of high school. She's a senior now. And he's seen kind of what she can do. So he's not that worried about it. They, they had, we played in front of a packed house last night. The excitement was there after coming off a historic season for them. So they came out a little flat against Gulf Coast. But when I coached, talked to Coach Auer, he said that after that historic season, people called them wanting to get competition with them. So he expected them playing these um, teams that they were going to have face some adversity early, which is different from them because they won their first 13 matches last season. <laughs> and I asked him about that. He's like, yeah, he's like, we just got to get the momentum going. And they, they're going to take on Northport on Thursday. That was interesting. They kind of got punched in the nose right at the beginning. Which didn't happen to them at all last no, year. No, uh, it was it was definitely a, a hit for sure. <laughs> Northport, um, poor Northport. Um, they uh, they struggled last season. Then they uh, had to replace their coach in the off season. Yeah, Jenica has a very strong uh, volleyball background. Jenica. Is it Mullins? Am I getting her name right? Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, she has got a very strong uh, volleyball background. She's bringing kind of a uh, new look to the Northport uh, sideline. Oh, yeah. She, she is definitely ready to take on the challenge. It's a lot of young players on that team. Only one player played in, like, over 70 sets and was a starter for them. That's Abby <laughs> Backstrom. And Abby Backstrom played very well on their first game against Sarasota. It was just they had a lot of miscues, so – and miscommunication going on but for them the key is going to be kind of to get that communication going and coach Thomas said that she wants she's going to make that a point throughout the rest of the season. I'm going to pull you in on this one Vinny. Uh, this last uh, this last team is obviously traditionally the best team in the area. Venice, uh, Venice looks like they uh, started kind of they started interestingly, I guess, uh, kind of their preseason in this first match this year. A uh, little bit of a different looking team, um, but uh, they picked up a they picked up a pretty nice transfer as well. Yeah, 
Um, no shots to any other <laughs> other any other area volleyball teams. So I think it's safe to say Venice is clear, clearly the favorite uh, in this area. They were really solid last year, and they brought back almost their entire team plus Summer Kohler, a transfer from Imagine, who is unbelievably talented. She can play outside hitters. She can set. She can go in the back row. She's one of the team's best servers. And she's only a sophomore, which was crazy to me. I like I saw her play and I was like, oh, nice senior transfer. But <laughs> not the case. So <laughs> she's only going to get better at Venice, obviously. They have great coaching there. They have weapons on the outside in Charlie Goverville and Jada Lanham and mm-hmm. Kohler. They have weapons on the inside with Leah Bartlett, a senior, and Hillary Hupp, a junior. Both of them are at six feet or taller. They have a great back row, including uh, last year of – Brighton Ferguson started as a freshman last year. She's much better this year as a sophomore at Libero. They have other returners, too, from last year, like Carly Wagoner, who's an unbelievable server. Uh, so they're just they're loaded. Uh, they won both of their preseason games uh, against Baron Collier and Berkeley Prep. Two of those, the, both those teams were phenomenal teams last year, and Venice didn't really struggle. Like They dropped the first set in each game and kind of woke up and took the next three in each match so it was relatively easy for them and last night they made quick work of sarasota uh the match started an hour and a half late and they finished it in <laughs> under an hour uh i did not expect that to make the paper last night <laughs> yeah I did not, I that. <laughs> and wheatley was not happy his team smoked sarasota and he thought they should have beat them worse uh, <laughs> he they they i mean i don't blame him they kind of look like they knew they should win and they, they're going to win kind of mm-hmm. thing and they did sure. but uh, he's not, he, he doesn't want that attitude because of, okay, cool. You beat Sarasota. Like that doesn't mean anything. You have, <laughs> you have to keep, you know, that, that constant energy, that constant focus. Otherwise in moments you'll let it slip. So I get where he's coming from, but wow. What high standards. <laughs> <laughs> also a really fun thing is last year when Lemon Bay gained that notoriety, uh, for winning all those matches, Venice got wind of it, and they wanted to prove they were the best area <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah. So they scheduled a match with Lemon Bay, and that was really fun. That I think I didn't get to cover it, but I saw like the you know tweets and the reports, yep. and it looked mm-hmm. awesome. And guess what? They're doing it again this year. So yeah, the bill, something to look forward to. The Bills kind of come and do for Lemon Bay on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, switching gears back to football, uh, looking at this week's games, we have uh, the next couple of weeks. We're probably going to be going a little bit early with our coverage of the paper, just because there are Thursday games. Um, each of the next two weeks. I think there might even be the week after that might be a Thursday game. Yeah, as I think well. so. North so, Port, I think. And uh, and then after that, of course, is going to be the nationally televised game. I think. Right. Yep. So yeah, we might um, might just have to look for our coverage of football in the Thursday paper <laughs> for the first part of the uh, season here. But uh, speaking of that Thursday game, it's Lemon Bay at Lakewood Ranch. They're at that they're there because Lemon Bay couldn't get their field. Right, it was supposed mm-hmm. to be yeah. at Lemon Bay, yeah. So Lemon Bay had a uh, situation earlier this year where lightning struck the water pump that feeds the uh, reclamation water to the field, and therefore they couldn't put down sod until they got the water pump replaced, and it took a little while to get the water pump replaced. They got the sod down last week, looks really good, but it's going to be a couple weeks before that's ready. So they're up at Lakewood Ranch um, playing on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, I mean, makes it might make it a little tough for being a road game, but it should be a good experience for them. Uh, Lemon Bay, like we said earlier, we don't know exactly what to make of them. They just won by seven over South Fort Myers, which Joe Scott had all four touchdowns on the ground. Caleb Whitmore, their new middle linebacker, their quote-unquote alpha on the defense, uh, almost had a pick six, got stopped just short of a touchdown. Uh, so, I mean, you know, they have playmakers on both sides of the ball. They look good. Uh, but Lakewood Ranch is kind of an interesting team. Um, they beat Dunedin 49-6 to last week, although Dunedin was 2-8 and last year. <laughs> yeah. uh, however, what makes Lakewood Ranch interesting is that they have Rashad West as their coach. He's entering his fourth season, and that's kind of unique consistency for the Mustangs. Mm-hmm. They usually have a lot of turnover, and he's done well with them uh, considering where they play and who they play. Uh, he has a 14-14 and record over three years. Last year was his only losing season. Um, at three and six, and he returns two of his best offensive playmakers this year. Kevin Everhart is a senior running back who ran for just under a thousand yards against a tough defense or tough tough defenses, and I think ten or eleven games. So he's averaging like a hundred yards uh, a game last year. They also have Isaac Ashley, uh, a big wide receiver who's entering his senior year. 
So they have some they have some weapons that can score touchdowns, no doubt. Uh, they were having a quarterback battle to see the starter. I'm not sure who won that, but judging by last week's 49 to six win, it seems like they have it figured <laughs> out. Um, so that should be interesting. However, they don't really have many impact returners on defense. So I'm looking I'm looking forward to see how Lemon Bay does offensively and if they can kind of score early and take control or what happens because this is this is kind of a bigger better team for Lemon Bay. They don't typically play big schools like this. We haven't been putting predictions in the paper this year because I'm too scared to. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll definitely do them here, and I will deny every single one that I miss. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, when it comes to Lemon Bay, Lakewood Ranch, how you see this game coming up? Uh, hard to say, really. I'm going to take Lemon Bay just because they proved me wrong last week and they beat a solid team. So I'm going to take them at 27 to 21. Kind of same score as last week. I feel like they'll be in that range all year. That's the thing I'm struggling with. I don't know if this is going to be a defensive game or an offensive game um, <laughs> when I look at this. So I'm going to go Lemon Bay too, but I'm going to go a little bit lower on the score. I'm going to say maybe 21 Twenty-one seventeen. I got a feeling Lakewood Ranch has a kicker out there somewhere, so I'll uh, <laughs> I'll give them a nod on a field goal, but pick Lima Bay twenty-one uh, seventeen. What about you, Victoria? I was gonna go similar score. I was gonna go twenty-one <laughs> fourteen. I think if Lemon Bay can control Kevin Everhart, I think it's gonna be a good game for them. Um, next up, uh, big game. Uh, they're all big games for Venice. Uh, Miami Northwestern comes to town after being an exhibition game last year. Their return trip actually will count in the books this year, and it's a, it's a really good Miami Northwestern team. Yeah, this is fun. Venice's schedule is insane. If you're just a high school football fan, you really got to check out some of Venice's games this year. So they play Miami Northwestern, an eight-time state champion. Um, they return a lot of their key players. The quarterback's a senior. He's a dual threat. Taron Dickens is a three-star. Um their starting running back is absolutely dynamic. Uh, Jamari Ford, his brother is the running back at F or one of the running backs at FAU. Johnny Ford. Uh, he last week scored the first three touchdowns for his team. Two of them were on the ground in like three or four touches, and then one on a like seventy yard punt return touchdown. So very hard to stop. He's only like five six, one sixty, but he's very shifty and fast. Um, it's not just him, too. He, they keep him fresh with two guys behind him, uh, Marlon Cochran and King Davis, two solid running backs as well. And they have an absolutely deep wide receiver and tight end pool. Uh, let's see. They have Andy Jean, a three-star committed to Florida. They have Rashad Punchy Davis, a three-star committed to Georgia Southern. They have Calvin Russell, a six-foot-five freshman who already has offers. Uh, they have Adam Moore, a three-star at tight end. So they can absolutely play with anybody on offense and Defensively, they don't have as many standouts, but they have two three-star cornerbacks and a three-star defensive end, so nothing to scoff at there. Uh, Miami Northwestern is typically known for being a very fast, athletic team that pay, plays quickly and kind of like tires you out. Uh, however, Venice is kind of the same way. They play up-tempo, they have a ton of athletes, and they're not afraid to go at you. So I think it'll be very close. I think it'll be kind of back and forth through halftime, and I think Venice pulls away in the second half because of its defense. Um, I forget what I put in the gondolier. I think it was 38-28 Venice. That seems like a really good pick. It seems like it's going to be one of those situations. Venice, their track record just in this short little uh, period between the spring game and last week seems to be they make those halftime adjustments, and they're a lot better team in the second half. So if they're close with Miami Northwestern in the first half, you got to kind of think Venice is going to pull it out in the second half. I, and I also kind of have that uh, notion of the Alligator Alley effect, uh, team busting, the, busting themselves across mm -hmm. the state to the Gulf Coast. I think that usually has some sort of an effect on a team, uh, being on the bus that long. Uh, I will go with Venice as well. I'll be a conventional score, 35-28. Uh, How about you, Victoria? Um, I'll take, I think the def I think exactly like what Vinny said, the defense is going to be like the difference maker in this game. And so I'm going to take Venice as well. I think they're going to pull out with this one. The one thing I think Venice is going to give up is probably a return touchdown. <laughs> I just have that Fair enough. It's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> Kirill yeah. Kotov can kick touchbacks this week, I mean, that's what mm -hmm. hurt them in the first kickoff. He didn't kick a touchback and IMG ran it back for a score. So yeah, we'll see on that one. He's definitely <laughs> been working on it in practice. Um... Interesting game. The game of the week this week is uh, Bishop Verreau at Port Charlotte. Bishop Verreau put up some gaudy numbers mm -hmm. last week. They've got some uh, 
they got a really, really important piece back this year. Uh, what do you see in uh, Bishop Rowe and Port Charlotte? This is a super interesting game. So Port Charlotte lost to Bishop Bro last year, thirty to sixteen, and it's kind of like what was there was in the midst of their midst of their slide when they went mm -hmm. like one and three to start the year. They they played a lot of good games where they just let the second half kind of get away from them. They're a young team; they made a lot of mistakes. However, Bishop Bro is still a good team. Their coach Richie Road is entering year two. Last year he started during the summer, so he didn't get much of a head start. They're returning their quarterback, who last year was a freshman and threw for over 2,000 yards. He's six foot five. His name's Carter Smith. He's a dual threat. Um, this past week, they beat Laley 67 to 14. Smith threw for 177 yards, three touchdowns, and rushed for 93 yards on another score. So he's obviously very dynamic and hard to stop. He's pretty much their whole offense. Um, however, they did lose a couple of key players. Two-way standout Chris Graves, uh, their top wide receiver and top cornerback, is now with the University of Miami. And David Porto, uh, their top defensive lineman, is at Coastal Carolina. However, their coach said that they are even deeper and better this year, despite losing those two stars. Last year they went six and five and finished in the second round of the regional playoffs. And this year they could be even better, like their coach said. I mean, they have Smith back along with two of their or three of last year's top wideouts, uh, including tight end Timmy Lawson, and they have athletes on defense too. I, I think this is going to be a very difficult game, despite how. How much we've been pumping up Port Charlotte. This is going to be very challenging for them. It's going to say a lot about them how this game goes. Um, prediction. Uh, this one's <laughs> the hardest one, I think. It is. <laughs> it could go either way. I mean, it's at Port Charlotte. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to pick the home team. I'm going to pick Port Charlotte 35, Bishop Bro 34. I'll... Uh, I'll reverse that. I think uh, Bishop Rowe is going to pull out a close one. Um, let's see. Why don't we go with 35-31, uh, Bishop Rowe. But, man, it, I would not be surprised at all if uh, Port Charlotte's defense is a lot better than I'm giving credit for on this one. Yeah, I saw them last week in their kickoff classic. And the Port Charlotte, the Pirates, they just – they gave up a fumble early in their first drive, but then they picked it right up. Their offense got going – Bryce Eaton got going. He had a lot of offensive weapons. And I think in that matchup, a lot of people didn't focus on their defense. Their defense, they held Dunbar to 12 points, and they didn't score those until the third quarter. Yeah, it's so, worth noting it was 35 uh, nothing at the time that the, uh, that they the scoring scored. occurred. So, <laughs> so, I, so I, probably I, had backups in, right? Yeah, they yeah. had a second and third string in. So, so I think Port Charlotte, I think they're going to pull away with this one. It's definitely a big game for them because it's going to set the tone for the rest of their season. I know, Vinny, you said in your preview of them, they want to control their own fate this year. So take, getting a win in their first game is going to be definitely a big step for them. And I'm going to pick Port Charlotte to win. I'm going to go I'm going to go on the lower side. I'm going to go like 2015. Once again, I'm the evil guy. Um, let's see. <laughs> Moving ahead, uh, we've got Northport at Estero. Estero's a unique team. Hard to, uh, hard to gauge just how good they were last year despite their kind of a, kind of a breakthrough season. What do you see when uh, Northport and Estero meet? Yeah, this is definitely a very unique matchup. So Estero finished 7-4 and four last season, won their district, but lost in week one to Northport 16-6. to six. Um, so Northport, I guess, can hang with this Estero team. Uh, they bring back their top quarterback, who's now junior, their top wide receiver, who's now senior, um, who's Jason DeClona. He's also their best or second best corner. Uh, they also have their free safety returning Luke Gannam. He had five picks last year. Um, however, they lost fifty to nothing to Northport Myers last week. <laughs> so I don't really know what to make of all this. Uh, their coach was quoted as saying after this past uh, loss last week, we've got to beat Northport. We owe them one. We blew it last year, so we're going to get ready to beat them, according to the Naples Daily News. Uh, so they're definitely ready for Northport. They don't, you know, they're aware of last season's result, and I mean, losing fifty to nothing must wake a team up, right? So I'm gonna take, <laughs> I'm gonna take a Stero, uh, seventeen to ten. I uh, I kind of agree with. Uh... That assessment from the Estero coach that really, really had to, by the time they got to the end of the year and they were 7-4 at season's end, that must have just really chapped them 
that they lost that North Park game. That's that's the problem. I think North Park could probably play better than they did last week in this game and still lose by a pretty good margin. But right. Estero's just kind of locked in on this one. Um, no offense to the Bobcats. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Estero. Uh, let's give them uh, 27 to 12. I'll go the other way. I'll go. I'll go for the Bobcats. There I think you go. Gonna, I think they're gonna get they're gonna get this victory. They're gonna come out ready to go. They got a lot of young talent, as Vinny said when he was talking about them. So, I'm gonna go 2013, 20 to 13. I think it's gonna be a tight matchup, but I think Northport's gonna end up on top. Um, let's see. Uh, Dumb. We talk about Dunbar and Charlotte. I guess no. We're um, Dunbar obviously played uh, Port Charlotte last week. Uh, Charlotte, meanwhile, played uh, played. Baron Collier and uh, looked really good in that game. Uh, completed a 180 degree turn from their uh, preseason game last year. Um, what do you see from that game, especially after we had a chance to kind of take a peek at Dunbar? Yeah, I don't. I thought Dunbar was going to be better. I don't know if it's Dunbar not returning a lot or if it's Port Charlotte playing them out of their minds or way better than they expected or what what uh, was like the reason that game went so sideways. But I mean, it, judging just by that final score, I have to think Charlotte is gonna fare pretty well in this game. They didn't look so good against Dunbar last year, but they kind of let just, you know, mistakes and uh, a fumble and just, you know, the game get, get in their heads. They, they definitely could have beaten Dunbar last year. And I think this is a better Charlotte team and a worse Dunbar team. So for what that's worth, I think Charlotte will win. Uh, However, I don't know if it'll be as easy as Port Charlotte made it look. That's uh, that was kind of the interesting thing about Charlotte last year. They had a lot of games. They were five and five last year, but they had a lot of games that they just, if they didn't get a bad penalty at the wrong time, or if they just right. kind of punched it in when they're in the red zone, didn't turn the ball over, they could have won. The, Fort Myers comes to mind, which is an amazing thing to think about with that team last year. They could have won that game. Yeah, they could have beat Lehigh if uh, if they didn't just completely self destruct in the red zone against to. The best running back in the area, um, Riverview, but, I think too. Like yeah, and they were right there in that game too. And oh, uh, uh, a score for this game, I'll say twenty four, twenty one. I'll uh, I'll give uh, Charlotte defense a little bit more in this game. I'll go uh, I'll go twenty eight to ten for uh, Charlotte winning this game. Close. I was gonna go twenty eight to seven. There you go. Uh, Charlotte's gonna win. I just think the Dunbar, unless their defense drastically changes from what when they were playing Fort Charlotte in the kickoff classic, I think it's going to be a hard matchup for them. Makes sense to me. Um, last but not least, uh, DeSoto County's on the road this week. It's their return trip to Okeechobee from their game last year. They played Okeechobee in the kickoff classic last year and uh, had no problem with them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, Okeechobee was really... They do have one of the great nicknames. They're called the Brahmins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to get to that. <laughs> so, um, they, were, uh, they were really disorganized. Uh, Sam Holland's impression last year was that was a team that was kind of uh, starting over a little bit. He thought they were going to be better this year than they were last year. But uh, so is DeSoto County. So. Yeah, I think this one's pretty straightforward. The Brahmins were 1-7 last year. Mm-hmm. They lost to DeSoto County 24-7. to They had a very limited offense last year. They scored over seven points just once, and that was in their one win. So I don't see how Okeechobee can compete with DeSoto County. They couldn't last year. I think DeSoto County's better, deeper, just all around uh, more experienced. I don't think Okeechobee has any chance in this game, really. I I have DeSoto (laughs) County winning 35-7. to That's a... That's pretty close to where I was going to go with that because the only reason the score was 21 nothing last week was because DeSoto County fumbled the ball away three times. Um, otherwise, they were going to punch those in too. So um, I think uh, Okeechobee lost last week to Jupiter 14 nothing. so that offense continues to be a problem for them. Um, I, I see that game being uh, – I see DeSoto County kind of running roughshod on them this time. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to go big. I'll go uh, 42 nothing for uh, DeSoto County. That's bold. It is. It really is. That's bold. They're going to be introduced to the Draco Tompkins and uh, Trent White. I think it's going to be – I'm going to go Vinny. I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I'm going to go 28-7. DeSoto's going to win. I think just Okeechobee just doesn't have the pieces to compete. You said Okeechobee like someone who's not from here. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) Yeah. 
Anyway, I guess uh, that, that kind of wraps up the uh, the previews of this week's games. Uh, one thing that Vinny and I did last year was uh, pick fantasy teams, and uh, we had some checkered success with that when it came to uh, picking the right players and actually getting the stats from the games. <laughs> but uh, we thought we would do it again this year, Vinny and I, um, kind of going head-to-head here. Uh, for this, we um, use standard fantasy f- football formats, and uh, we, get, we pick a quarterback, two receivers, two running backs, a flex player, and this year we're doing a little bit different. We're going to go with an individual defensive player rather than try to pick an entire defense um, because it's difficult to get those stats. So, um, Vinny, I will, uh, I will allow you to go first in this snake draft between us. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Um, man, could it's tempting to go talent, but I feel like I want to go matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh. All right. Who was better last week, Old Draco Tompkins or Trenton White? Oh, they were equal, but I would say Tompkins was the one that reached at the goal line. Yeah, so I was thinking yeah. Old Draco. All right, I'll go with Old Draco. Okay. Let's see. The interesting thing about DeSoto County is uh, I don't think anyone's going to roll up big yardage numbers because they have so many players that they want to rotate in at that position. So uh, I just think they're going to it'll come down score to, so much. Yeah. That he'll fall <laughs> it's going to come down touchdowns. to who, who punches it in each week, and that, and that could be a different person each week for all I know. Um, I will. Uh, I'm going to immediately jump on the quarterback position, and I am going to go with Michael Valentino. I am totally on the Michael Valentino train this year, um, especially with the guy he can hook up with. And I got a feeling Vinny is now going to negate my advantage on uh, picking Michael Valentino at quarterback. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's still a tough decision, really. Let's see. I know you're thinking I'm going to go Brady Hall, but I don't know (laughs) if I want to. Yeah, it could be that they're going to key in on that this week and try to, try to take that matchup away. Exactly. Uh, yeah. All right, I'm going to go Ed Guerriere. Oh, it's a tough matchup, but Ed Guerriere is one of my favorite players to watch. You have left me with an impossible choice at running back because now I have to look at the Venice guys. Yeah. And uh, I don't know which one's For, going to get more all right. carries. <laughs> starts... But Alvin is the better pass catcher. I think uh, I think I'm going to go with Alvin and kind of hope he uh, gets his little dual threat action going there um, in that game. So, although that's a that's a tough team to pick a running back against, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. So oh, it's my turn again. Oh, is it? I, I guess we were supposed to do a snake, but we didn't. Oh, do it. Okay, sure. go ahead. Keep <laughs> Wait, going. Did we? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Hmm. Who next? Uh, I guess I'll... I mean, it's stupid to take a quarterback because, like, you're not going to take one, but... <laughs> I'll take Brooks Bentley. Brooks Bentley, okay. I'm going to jump to defense right away and uh, be the guy who picks Damon Wilson this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a nice pick pretty much any week, no matter who they're playing. Even against IMG. He had probably four... Maybe five plays where he broke through the line in a second or two and just whiffed on one of his big mitts on uh, Jaden Bradford. So he almost <laughs> had several sacks. Easily could have been a fumble or two in there. Let's see. A wide receiver. Poor Charlotte is so weird to figure out after last week. Um, you know, I'll go with Brady Hall. Brady Hall. Let's see, I have uh, two receivers left to pick, a running back left to pick, and a flex. So, um, let me see here. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb here a little bit and base this totally on Victoria's story and have a sleeper pick as my running back. I'm going with Julius Roach. All right, Port Charlotte, and then I'm gonna go back to the well with DeSoto County and get Trenton White. That's a very good pick. <laughs> That's your flex, I guess. Uh-huh. God, you got three great running backs. I'm gonna lose this week. This is horrible. What have I done to myself? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, 
All right, Victoria, I'm going to lean on you. Uh, which, uh, which of the best old boys uh, made the best impact for you last week? Ooh. I would take, I would take Justice. Justice, Justice Besserill. I will take Justice Besserill <laughs> at. Uh, boy, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Port Charlotte heavy here, but uh, we'll uh, go with Besserill at uh, wide receiver for Port Charlotte. Hmm. Individual defensive player is very tricky. I feel it like is. it's pretty matchup dependent. Uh, you know, I'm easy out would be to take a Desoto County defender, but I'm going to take <laughs> Elliott Washington. Because I think they're going to go his way a little bit this game. Uh, typically, you don't need to throw at Elliott. But I think they might try it with Andy Jean out there. And Elliott is a weapon in the return game as well. DeSoto does have some interesting defensive possibilities this year. Um, Shane Galloway played a great game last week. Um, they've got Jamari Redding at one of the defensive end positions. He's really good. Uh, Hunter Zirkle had an incredible game at the other defensive end last week. And then uh, they've got Evan Rowe at linebacker. They've got a nice little, uh, nice little defense to pick from on that, uh, on that DeSoto team. Um, oh, man, what have I done to myself with these picks? Okay, I'm going to uh, I'm going to backstop myself. <laughs> Take John Maurice Wilder as my flex. <laughs> Definitely going to get some points one way or the other, right? Yeah. And then for my final pick, I'm going to take Jamal Streeter Jr. at wide receiver. While he was not the standout last week, mm -hmm. I think that will change week to week. I think Jamal is too much of an athlete to be held back every week. Let me, uh, for my last pick, I'm also looking at wide receiver. I'm going to go out on a limb here and hope he uh, pays me back. Um, why don't we go with uh, Hackett from Lima Bay? Okay. That's, uh, that's a little deep dive on my part, uh, considering Lima Bay didn't really do a whole lot through the air last week against South Fort Myers, but maybe this is the week that they kind of uh, incorporate that passing game back in. I think they'll need so, to throw a little bit yeah. this week. So, uh, so I'm, I feel nervous <laughs> <laughs> about my team, <laughs> but uh, we'll see how this goes. What, is, what is your team top to bottom? My team top to bottom is now Michael Valentino, at uh, quarterback. My running okay. backs are Alvin Johnson, Julius Roach. My receivers are Justice Besserill and Joe Hackett. And uh, my flex guy is John Maurice Wilder with my defensive guy come through for me, my man. Uh, Damon Wilson, <laughs> two. Nice. I've got Brooks Bentley at quarterback, Lil Dreco Tompkins and Ed Guerriere at running back, Brady Hall and Jamal Streeter Jr. at wide receiver, Trenton White at flex, and Elliot Washington in the second at IDP. That's uh, we kind of both uh, backstopped our running back and flex position there. <laughs> That's kind of running back in high school is one yeah. of those things. <laughs> yep. It's hard to guess some weeks. Yep, but uh, love those uh, love those solo running backs. They're going to be fun to watch this year, and they will be uh, they will be highly volatile points wise, um, depending on how Sam decides to use people down close to the end zone. So, well, that's, uh, that is the uh, inaugural, not the inaugural, it would be the opening, uh, <laughs> opening episode of uh, the Sun Preps Upon Further Review podcast. For more on uh, this week's games, please see Thursday's um, editions of the Daily Sun. Uh, for more on Venice, you can see today's, uh, today's Venice Gondolier. And for more game coverage, of course, look for our coverage on sunpreps.com on Saturday morning.